Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all out this horrible weather this morning, but it's good to see the church so well packed, and it's good to see so many people out here uh, to worship together. And if you are uh, in person or online, uh, be it through our church app or Facebook Live, watching later on on YouTube, or listening through our CD ministry later on, you too are very welcome. And we trust and pray that you enjoy our time of worship together. And on all of your behalf this morning, we give a very warm welcome to Scott McMenemy here from Portadown. Uh, Scott is a second year student for the ministry, and we very much uh, are very pleased to have you here, Scott. And we look forward to hearing what the Lord has led upon your heart this morning for each of us. And just to say, that's a great name you have, Scott, so well done. You'll go places with that one. Uh, and we're just sorry that the Reverend George McClellan couldn't be with us this morning. George came down with a very bad throat. Uh, so unfortunately he can't be here, but you are welcome. I look forward to hearing from you later on, Scott. Just a few announcements to bring to your attention this morning. Uh, just to say that the Women's Bible Study is tomorrow evening at 7.30pm in the Church Hall. On Tuesday evening, that's the 8th, uh, Church Session will meet in the Church Hall at 7.30pm. On Wednesday evening is our weekly midweek Bible study in the church hall at 8 o'clock. There will be no BB and GB meeting this week in person. Uh, BB will have activities planned uh, for the older sections from this week on through, but the first of the face-to-face meetings for both BB and GB will recommence on Thursday the 24th for GB and for BB Friday the 25th. Now, Captains, I hope I've got that right, but I think we're, we're pretty much on the button with that one. So just keep an eye online through the Facebook pages for both organizations or through our church app. You'll be updated there also. Also, the good news in relation to COVID restrictions, as from this morning, you can remove your mask uh, during the service. The only time you need to put your mask back on is when you're singing. So that's a bit of good news in relation to the COVID restrictions. And as most of you know, uh, in the run-up to Christmas, you all should have received a Christmas card. Well, Kirk Session always sends a a Christmas card to uh, a number of people, be it uh, our local members of the executive, our Prime Minister, and indeed Her Majesty the Queen. So uh, a card was sent on behalf of the congregation to Her Majesty at Christmas time, and here's a reply from Windsor Castle. To the congregation of First Rutherland Presbyterian Church, The Queen wishes me to thank you for the message you sent for Christmas and the New Year, which is greatly appreciated. Her Majesty has been most grateful for the particular kindness and support shown to her over the last year, and I am to thank you very much for your thoughtfulness in writing at this time. And that's from Her Majesty Lady in Waiting, Susan Rhodes. And just as we mentioned Her Majesty the Queen this morning, we continue to think of Her Majesty as this morning is the commemoration, the celebration of her 70th year uh, on the throne, uh, her accession to the throne. So we we remember Her Majesty in prayer uh, at this uh, very very celebratory time, but also a difficult time for her as she remembers uh, still the passing of her husband last year. But we wish her well on behalf of the congregation. Scott, these are all my announcements. We look forward to hearing uh, from you now. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I am Scott uh, from Portadown, and uh, as David said, I'm a second-year ministry student up at Union College. Um, thanks to David and Margaret and Robin for uh, keeping me right. Um, the only reason I've ever stopped in Rathdown before is for Graham's ice cream. Uh, so it's it's really good to be here. This is much better because uh, we're we're here to worship God, the God who gives us infinite reasons to give thanks. Here from His Word, Psalm 100 says this: "Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth." Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts of praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. We're here to worship God. Let's do that as we stand and sing beneath the cross of Jesus.
Let's uh, go to God together in prayer with our prayers of adoration and confession. Let's pray. Father, you are the Lord our God. You are almighty, and yet you make yourself known to us. You're the king of creation. You are the creator and sustainer of this universe, and yet you allow us to boldly approach your throne of grace. You are the source of our salvation. You are our great shepherd who promises to carry us to your people forever. You've met us for yourself. So, Father, this morning we give you all praise, all honor, all thanks. We thank you that you, being eternally generous, give us every good thing that we have. We thank you that you are like no one else. Nothing compares to you. Every good thing we have comes from you. You are generous, you're kind, you're good and gracious. And Father, we acknowledge that we are not that way. We are prone to sin. We are often ungrateful. We're ungrateful for the things we have. Or at least we do not thank you for the things that we have. Father, often we, we grumble, we complain about life circumstances, about others. Father, we forget to thank you. And so, Lord, we ask in awareness of our sin that you would forgive us, that you would help us to live lives that honor you. You help us to live lives in the fullness that you promised to give us. And Father, we thank you that because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us, that we have full assurance of forgiveness in his blood. That we can be completely sure, utterly confident. You have made us right with you. And so, Father, would you make us people of gratitude? Would you give us thankful hearts? Would you help us to live grateful lives? Help us to live for you. Lord, would you move in our hearts and minds this morning? you be with us and change us to make us more like your son. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning uh, we're turning to uh, the New Testament book of 2 Thessalonians. Maybe not the most common place to go to, but that's where we're headed today. Uh, our Bible reading this morning is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. So if you open your Bibles there, uh, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, and then 2nd, if you hit the Timothys and Titus, you've gone too far. 2nd Thessalonians, verses 13 to 17. This is God's word. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. We thank the Lord for his word this morning. We thank him for the, the Bible that we have. Boys and girls, let me ask you a question. It's great to see you here this morning, boys and girls. Let me ask you a question, and you'll have to watch very carefully for this question. You ready? That's a hard one, isn't it? Let me put it a different way. Who knows sign language? Anybody know sign language? Anybody know any sign language? Anybody ever learned that in school? Nobody? Great. Oh, oh, some up the back. Fantastic. Fantastic. Boys and girls, I love sign language. My, my son, Elijah, he's two. Uh, he's deaf. And so I need to learn a bit of sign language in my life to communicate really well with him. And I, I, I love sign language. It's a really good thing for us to be able to learn so that we can communicate with others who sometimes get left behind. Um, let me teach you something in sign language this morning. I want to teach not just the boys and girls, but the adults too. Um, 
because it's, it's a good thing to know. And let me just teach you the most important thing you could learn in any language ever. Okay? Three words, three simple words. Very easy. Uh, I'd really appreciate it if we all do it. First word is this. The most important word you could ever know. It's Jesus. And Jesus in sign language is this. This. And when you say Jesus in sign language, you remind yourself of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. You point your fingers to your hands to remind you of the nails that Jesus took in his hands on the cross when he died for you and me. Jesus, okay? Second word, also another important word, loves. That word is really easy. Loves, okay? Jesus loves. Third word, another important word, me, okay? Me. Very easy, isn't it? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Boys and girls, I love sign language for a lot of reasons. Like I said, it helps us to communicate with people who sometimes society forgets about. And Jesus tells us that's a very important thing that we should do. We should care for those who society forgets about. I love sign language too because sometimes my wife and I will be able to have, um, maybe not arguments, but conversations in public and nobody can tell what we're saying, although maybe by our faces they can tell that we're fighting. Um, I, I love sign language as well because... The man who teaches me sign language says this. It's all about expression. It's all about expression. He always says, always points to his face to remind you to express yourself. That's, that's one of the most important things in sign language. That you just don't say things, but you also show things. You show what you're saying. You just don't speak. You express. Put it like this. If you were to say, Jesus loves me, and you were to sign it like this. What's that really say? Jesus loves me. Does that sound like good news? Does that look like good news if your face is doing that? That doesn't look like good news at all. That sounds like pretty bad news. Mediocre news at best. And so if you were to sign Jesus loves me, and you were to try and show that this is good news, you would say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus, the saviour of the world, loves me. That's good news. Another example, I don't know if any of you boys and girls know the book Dear Zoo. Dear Zoo, my little daughter loves the book Dear Zoo. There's a bit at the end of Dear Zoo where the people of the zoo have to think very hard. And in English we say three words. They thought very hard. Thought very hard. In sign language they only say one word. And it's the word think. Think is the word in sign language. But you show that you think very hard by your face. Do you see that? There's a difference between thinking and thinking very hard. You just don't say it, but you show it. Boys and girls, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he doesn't just want us to know that he is good. He wants us to show that he's good. He doesn't just want us to believe the right things. He wants us to live the right way. If we know in our heads that Jesus is good and the life that he calls us to is wonderful, and boys and girls, let me tell you, there's no better life than a life lived for Jesus. He wants us to show that. If we were to thank Jesus by living for him, we need to show that with our lives. We need to show that we're thankful for him, thankful for the gifts that he gives us, thankful for the people in our lives, thankful for the Christians that God has given us to. Boys and girls, when you follow Jesus, he doesn't want you just to know that he's good. He wants you to show it as well. Sometimes that's hard, but Jesus is good. And he's the best. He's strong and kind, and he helps us to do that. We're going to sing again. We're going to sing your song, God is so good.
turn now to pray for others. Um, we want to pray for uh, our children. Now we've, uh, it's beautiful to see so many kids at a, at a church worshiping God. Uh, and with that in mind, we want to pray for those uh, P7s, who I'm sure a lot of us probably know have uh, received transfer results uh, this week. We want to keep in mind Her Majesty the Queen as well, um, as well as political si- uh, situations across our globe. Let's go to God and pray for our world. Let's pray for others. Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves to hear from us, that you want us, your people, to come before you and lay our requests before you, knowing that you hear and that you answer. Father, we pray for this congregation, Lord, we pray for those who are sick, those who are bereaved, those who are lonely and those who are scared. Father, would you draw near to those who need you most? Would you impart your peace would you give your comfort? Lord, we need you. Would you draw near to us? Father, we pray for this congregation too with the vacancy. Lord, we thank you that um, there has been a, a stream of, of faithful gospel preachers. We thank you that your word has continued to be proclaimed here. And Father, for the person who will be called to come to this congregation, would you prepare him well? Lord, may he serve you and serve this place. Father, just be with this congregation as they, as they await a minister. Father, we are really grateful for the boys and girls. Lord, we thank you for each of those lives. We thank you for their connection to this place, Lord, that they are able to hear the gospel. Father, we pray that you would work in their hearts and lives, that you would save them, that you would use them for your glory. They would be lights to, towards you in their schools, in the clubs, uh, amongst all their friends. Father, for those who have received results, would you be with them as well as they learn what schools they're going to next? Um, Father, we pray especially for those who maybe have heard answers that they didn't want to receive. Father, draw near to our young people. Father, we give thanks for Her Majesty the Queen. It's her 70th year. Lord, would you be with her? Would you continue to give her strength and health? Lord, we thank you for her faith. We thank you for her service. And as this day surely brings up many memories of losing her father and also her husband, Lord, would you give her peace? Would you draw near to her and meet her every need? Father, as we look across the world, we're reminded that humanity is a mess. So we look to Westminster and Stormont. Father, we, we see the effects of sin so readily. Father, we thank you that this is a reminder that your government is good. That King Jesus is upon the throne and that his reign is eternal and without end and ultimately for our benefit. But in light of that, we Lord, we pray for our political leaders that you would give them wisdom that they need. Father, we pray that values such as integrity and honesty, Lord, that they would be valued among our leaders, that our leaders would look to the good of their people. Father, as we look further afield, we think of the situation with Russia and Ukraine. Father, we pray for peace there. Tensions would be calmed. And Lord, we pray for the church in persecuted places. We think of Myanmar and Burma, where there's severe persecution, where there is civil war, where there is deep uncertainty. Father, we pray for peace. And ultimately, Father, we pray that the light of your gospel would shine forth in those dark places, that believers would witness to you and point to a Savior Jesus this world so desperately needs. Father, would you be with us now as we turn to your word? Would you soften our hearts? Would you open our ears? Would you teach us by your Holy Spirit so we may hear your word and respond to it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Can I encourage you to open your Bibles back up to Second uh, Thessalonians? Uh, and as you do so, let me ask you to do something maybe a bit unusual uh, that maybe you're not asked to do outside of a children's address. Can I encourage you to take a minute and look around? You can, you can do it. You can, you're allowed to. Take a look around. You can move your head. Uh, and and uh, as you do so, I encourage you, don't look at this, this building, as lovely as it is, but look at the people in this building. Yes, there's a divider up, but I think you can see through it. Have a look around. Did you know that every single person in this place who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you know them well or not, whether you like them or not, maybe even if you have reason not to like them or not, every single person here who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is a God-given reason for you to give thanks to God. Every single Christian in this place is a God-given reason for you to give thanks to God today. Listen really carefully to what God says in his word through the Apostle Paul, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Wow. That, that, that is amazing. Let me give you the immediate context here. The immediate context here is that Paul, at the start of chapter 2, he's actually just been lamenting about how some who once claimed to be Christians, once who claimed to follow Jesus, how they have fallen away from the faith. Paul says they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 10. And that's devastating, isn't it? It's devastating when people that we love, it's devastating when Christians or people who are connected to church turn away from the faith, turn their backs upon Jesus to follow the world. And so in light of that, Paul says, those people who are gods, those people who love Jesus, those people who are saved through sanctification in the spirit and belief in the truth, what a reason to give thanks to God. Praise God. This morning in this passage, we see that we have an obligation as Christians to be thankful people. But more than that, we have a duty to one another to give a reason for thankfulness. We ought to be people of gratitude who stir up gratitude in the lives of others. We ought to be people of gratitude who stir up gratitude in the lives of others. Let's take the reason for our thankfulness that Paul gives first. Why do you owe thanks this morning? Why should I be thankful for you? Why should you be thankful for me? Why should we be thankful for the people sitting beside us in our pews? In a sentence, because God has chosen other believers, normal people, to showcase and display his extraordinary goodness, his extravagant grace, his eternal love and glory. We ought to give thanks to God for that. God has chosen the people in this room, in Rough Island, the people that you can see, the people he has given you to love, God has chosen the people in this room to be his, to be recipients of his goodness to be united to his son, the Lord Jesus, and and all of his benefits and blessings. The person to your left or right, if they belong to Jesus, it is because God has chosen them and called them and from eternity past looked at them and said, you are mine. Praise God. Follow the logic of the passage here with me. Look down at your Bibles. Paul says, verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Who's he giving thanks for? He's thanking God for the people that God loves. Why? What's the outworking of that love? Well, the verse continues, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. First fruits is a bit of a confusing word. Paul uses it in his letters a bit. And what it means when it's applied to believers is that these are the first people in an area that were going to be saved. One commentator says, when Paul says first fruits, he's saying that these people are the first Christians of what will become many Christians in that place. But as amazing as that is, the main point here 
is that God has chosen these people. God has made these people to be Christians. He has set them apart for himself to save them. God has chosen ordinary people to do an extraordinary work. A work of renewal and redemption and salvation. He has chosen these believers to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. In other words, God has set his Spirit inside the hearts of believers to renew their lives, to make them holy, and then gives them belief in the truth, renewing their minds so as Romans 12 says, they can discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is the gospel. And in verse 14, Paul goes on to say, To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. All this work of choosing, saving, and renewing, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has chosen other believers, saved other believers, and is changing other believers in order to share his glory with them. If nothing else, this means that God is working in this world. When you look around this church and you see people who are Christians, you should be reminded that God is working in this world. He's not sitting back, idly by, looking at the news, shrugging his shoulders. He's involved. He's working. He's saving people. He's transforming lives. He's saving souls. He's taking people for himself. Not just here in Rough Island, reported on where I'm from, but also across the world. In the Republic, in the Ukraine, in Afghanistan, in Myanmar. Is that not a reason for you to be thankful today that God is making believers for himself, that he is changing, his li- changing lives? It should be. God gives us good gifts. The Bible makes that really clear. God is the giver of everything that is good. And one of the best gifts that God gives us, other believers, other Christians, other people who are going to take hold of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to be thankful for that. How can we be thankful then? How can we stir up gratitude in our, in our own hearts and lives? Let me, let me suggest a few ideas. Think of people that you know whose lives were once directed towards destruction and death. People who rejected the gospel and rejected Jesus and whose lives were a mess. Who came to know the gospel and be changed and are now living for God and his glory. When we think of people like that, I think it's really hard not to be thankful. Think of the people in your life who told you the gospel if you love Jesus here this morning. Who who, who told you the gospel? Who invested in you so that you might love Jesus? Parents, leaders, ministers, elders, teachers, friends, maybe even strangers. Think of the people who invested in you so that you might love Jesus. When we call those people to mind, I think it's really hard not to be thankful. To not thank God for those people and his work in their lives that has gone on to impact you. Let me encourage you. If you want to be thankful, go on to websites like Open Doors, a Christian organization that works with the persecuted church. And when you go on to those places or you collect their leaflets or you subscribe to their newsletters, Be ready to ask yourself the question, where in the world are people coming to know the Lord Jesus today? You'll get an answer. In fact, I would say you're going to get many answers that would blow your mind. You will get answers you could scarcely believe. In places where people are threatened with death for loving Jesus, more and more people are getting saved in our world today. And if you talk to people who are active involved in overseas missions, it's impossible impossible to not have joy in your heart when you learn about the work that God is doing in our world you want to be thankful look at the kids that you have here kids who have gone out to Sunday school 
And chat to your leaders, chat to your Sunday school teachers or those who are active in SUs and school, those involved in youth work and youth outreach leaders in the GB and the BB. God is at work. He's at work. He's in the work. He's at work in the lives of our kids. He's active and he's working in a generation that a lot of us probably, to some extent, have written off. A generation that are going to have it a lot harder following Jesus than a lot of us have had today. That doesn't deter God. He, he, he isn't put off by difficulty. If you have a free morning, evening, whenever your organizations are on, can I encourage you, pop your head in and see what's happening. Pop your head in and see what's happening. You see, when you get a, an idea of the extent of work that is being done in the lives of our young people, See, if you learn about the work that God is doing in the lives of children, if you, if, you're, if you don't come away with your heart set on fire with thankfulness for God, let me tell you, you need to do business with the Lord. God is at work in this world. He's showing that to us in the lives of others. Be thankful. My, um, my favorite dessert in the entire world is... Um, it's blueberry pie, okay? specifically made, one made by one of my neighbors. It is phenomenal. It's, it's edible glory. It's magnificent. And last year, my wife asked me, what do you want for your birthday? And the only thing I could think of was a blueberry pie from a neighbor. I'm very easily pleased, I have to say. And when I got it, do you think I was thankful? Oh boy, was I. I was thankful. As I ate it, I was thankful. As I had it for dessert, I was thankful. As I had it for breakfast the next morning, I was thankful. And lunch and dinner, I was thankful. And I was thankful nobody in my house liked blueberry pie other than me. Oh, I was thankful. My taste buds were singing. They were dancing. I was leaping for joy. And when I finished it, I was thankful. I wasn't crying because it was over. I was happy because it happened. So much gratitude for receiving this Beautiful thing. But let me ask you this. Do you think my thankfulness for that blueberry tart meant I didn't want any more? Of course not. Devouring one blueberry pie left me wanting more blueberry pie. Are you, are you a thankful Christian here this morning? Are you thankful for the work that God is doing in this world? Here's the litmus test. Here's the litmus test. If you are thankful, you will want more. If you are truly thankful for the work that God is doing in this world, you will want to see more. You will want to see more disciples, more lives changed, more people coming to hear about the glory of the gospel. More undeserving people come to know our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved the world so dearly that he gave up his life that he died for our sins, that he rose victorious over sin and death and ascended to reign. Are you thankful? You will want more. You will want more people to come to know him. As you looked around this room, or didn't, are you thankful for what you saw? Are you thankful for what you see here this morning? As you think about your life and the people who've impacted you, are you thankful? As you look out into this world, are you looking for more opportunities to give thanks, to see God at work in this world? We ought to be people of gratitude, not just spectators in the art of thankfulness, but participants who practice thankfulness, who pursue thankfulness, and long to see God give us more reasons to give thanks. We ought to be people of gratitude who in turn stir up gratitude in the lives of others. What's it mean for us to stir up gratitude in others then? What does it look like for us to give others a reason to give thanks? I'd say it looks like displaying the work of God in our lives. Verse 15 of our chapter says this. It says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letters. Paul says, so then, so, so, so what? He says, because we're thankful for the work of God in your life, stand firm. Hold on to what you've been taught. Continue to give a reason to be thankful. 
Don't be like those described at the start of Second Thessalonians chapter 2 who wavered from the truth, but ground yourself in it. Dig in your heels. Cling on to the gospel. Hold on to what Paul calls the traditions of the gospel. And don't let go. What's that look like? Well, if you look back at verse 13, Paul says, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So your life being changed, your being made holy and belief in the truth. If we're asked, Paul, how can we be saved? That might be the answer we would expect from Paul, would it? We might just expect him to say the second bit, belief in the truth. But he doesn't. Because belief in the truth, real, true, actual belief, can never just be head knowledge. But it has to lead to something else. Christianity cannot be just knowing the right thing, but also living the right way. Not just knowing God's love, but showing God's love. Expressing your salvation in practical ways. Living out the faith that has saved you. Loving and living the truth. I once heard someone say, right belief without right action don't mean a thing. And that is true. There's a, a writer called Francis Schaeffer. He wrote a lot of helpful books. And he once rightly said that the problem with modern church that either tries to stress the importance of right belief without also stressing the importance of living a welcoming, loving life, or it stresses the importance of living living a welcoming, loving life, but doesn't also stress the importance of believing the right thing. But both those mistakes are, are catastrophic. Good living without right belief, meaningless. But so is having right belief without living a loving way. It's pointless. You might know the, the catechism, like the back of your hand. If you, if, you, if you do, I'm jealous. I'm in the process of trying to teach my, my son truths about God in a question and answer type way. And seeing his power of recall is phenomenal. I wish I had those truths backed up in my head. I'm not knocking that at all. But you might know your catechism like the back of your hand. You might know scripture passages off by heart. But that knowledge alone is unable to stir up joy in the life of the person beside you. The knowledge that you have is incapable of making a difference in the life of the person in the pew beside you unless, unless your knowledge leads to a life that expresses those truths. A life that is transformed by the gospel. A life that is lived under the lordship of King Jesus. A life of righteousness and love and goodness and mercy and grace. What does it look like to live that life? What does it look like to stir up gratitude in others? To know and show the gospel of God? Let me suggest just three quick ways. There are many others, but three quick ways I think you see in our passage. Firstly, look at verse 13 again. Look what Paul says. He says, We ought to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. What's, the, what's Paul essentially saying here in verse 13? He's writing to the Thessalonians, and essentially what he says here is, I'm thankful for you, and I love you. I'm thankful for you, and I love you. When's the last time you said words like those? Do we have that same loving, grateful spirit in 21st century Northern Ireland as Paul did way back then? When's the last time you told someone, not immediate family, but another believer, that you're truly grateful for them? That you love them? Not just, you know, assuming they know like we like to do in Northern Ireland, but actually saying it. I think we're bad at this in our country. I think we let our Northern Irishness, reluctance to talk about feelings, get in the way of our Christianity. It's a silly mistake to make, and it's a serious mistake to make. So let me take the lead here. I'm grateful for you. Someone who has never been here, I am grateful for you. It does my heart good to see believers in a place I've never been in meet and worship the Lord. 
when we say at the start of church service, it's good to see you, we mean that, or at least we should mean that. And when we say, uh, it's good to see you, and we don't mean that, I think that's something we need to repent of. It's good to see you. It really is. And more than that, I can say, I love you. I love you because I love Jesus, and Jesus loves you. If you're good enough for Jesus, you're good enough for me. I'm grateful for you, and I love you. Do you want to stir up gratitude in the lives of others? Express your gratitude. It's not so hard. Secondly, invest in others. Verse 15, Paul says, Stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. Paul has taught these people. He's been with them, he's taught them in person, and he's writing them to teach them again. He's clearly gone out of his way in writing and in speech to invest in these believers. He's invested time and effort and heartache and tears to see people grow in their faith. Let's do the same. Let's do the same. We live at a time where it's pretty easy to make excuses to be slow to invest in others. Not not to minimize the seriousness or the effect of COVID. But a time where people are slow to invest in others. Let's be quick to do so. As God is quick to love us, let's be quick to, to invest and show care in the lives of others. It'll stir up gratitude. And finally, pray. Verses 16 and 17, Paul prays for the Thessalonians. He just doesn't pray for them, but then he also tells them that he's praying for them. Let's do the same. Let's be a church that prays for one another, that prays for our brothers and sisters prays for their faith, their lives, their ministry, their witness, their heartache, their struggles, and their joy. Ultimately, we can only know and show truth. Ultimately, we can only be people of gratitude who stir up gratitude in the lives of others. Verses 16 and 17 are applied to our lives. If we live not in the power of the flesh, but the power of the spirit, not relying upon ourselves, but empowered by our great God, we can't do this by ourselves. So may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. May God himself make us people of gratitude who stir up gratitude in others for the good of his people and the glory of his Son. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. You are generous and kind and you have given us so many reasons to give thanks. Father, we thank you that we can see that in the lives of others. Father, would you make us people who are grateful? And Lord, would you make us people who make others grateful too? Help us to live lives that cause others to give thanks. Help us to love, be thankful, and invest and pray. So we live lives for you, for the good of others and for the glory of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our final hymn of praise. You're the word of God the Father.
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, give us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen.